From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WizPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of the Wisconsin developments you need to know. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R. Welcome back to Capital Notes. Good to chat with you. No, oh, thanks for having me. So it's going to be a big week in the state Supreme Court this week. Tomorrow, there are oral arguments in the efforts by Democratic voters in Wisconsin who are hoping to undo Republican-drawn legislative district maps. There's currently a liberal majority on the court. What do people need to know about this case? Well, so big picture, this is a case about whether there's going to be a new map, right? Um, And can a new map be in place for 2024? The court seems to be on a timeline that it could get a new map in place. And if there is one, the expectation is it would be a better map for Democrats. The question is by how much. Um, The map we have right now was basically built off of the one Republicans created in 2011. It gives them a huge advantage and has helped lock in big majorities in both houses for them. A number of issues are at play in this case. To give you kind of one example, there's a question about whether it's okay to have municipal islands, they call them, in districts. So let's take an assembly seat, right? Some assembly seats right now have non-contiguous territory. It's basically like a plot of land that doesn't touch anything else in that district. And the argument from the Democrats is that that's not allowed. Now, that's been in place for a long time. and you know, Prior courts have been okay with it. But the argument is that's, that's not okay and that the courts got it wrong. So that's an example of one of the nitty-gritty issues we're going to get into. Another one to watch is how this court handles this case and if this thing ends up getting appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, the arguments are really about state law, state constitution, the requirements there. But Republicans are putting up a, a complaint that liberal justice Anna Prosewich is hearing this case, even though she called the current maps rigged during the her spring campaign and the fact that the Democratic Party of Wisconsin gave her about $10 million for her campaign. They claim that is not appropriate. So even if the Supreme Court of Wisconsin rules in favor of Democrats, picks a new map that's good for Democrats or better for the ones they have right now, you could still see this case be appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court on the basis that Republicans argue she shouldn't be hearing that case. It's a violation of due process. The big question there is whether the U.S. Supreme Court would hear that case, even take it, and two, would it be enough to delay things? And really for Republicans, they feel like they're going to lose with this court just because of the makeup of the court, um, you know, philosophically and to pro se, which is comments. They know that it's going to be tough for them. Their kind of best hope is to delay a ruling until after the 2024 election and see they live to fight another day, essentially. They can get past this through this campaign with the maps they have right now. And then what? You know, in 2025, Justice Bradley, a member of the Liberal Coalition, will be up for re-election. You know, could that possibly be an avenue to, to defeat her and change the time? I mean, they're all, all kinds of what ifs, but there's a combination of legal arguments going on this week and timing that are really key in what the outcome is going to be for the Capitol with these, this case. Would Democrats argue that in 2017, the Republican-led Wisconsin Supreme Court quashed a proposed rule that would have required justices to recuse themselves yep. from cases involving campaign donors? Yes, absolutely. That, that's been up before now. What they're pointing to, though, is a U.S. Supreme Court some years ago, and it's called the Caperton decision. It's a case out of West Virginia. There was a person elected to the Supreme Court. A single donor made up about $3 million of what was 
spent on that race. It was the majority of what was spent, I believe, if I remember correctly. The person who was elected ruled in that donor's favor in a regulatory case. Um, and the Supreme Court back then said that was inappropriate, that there was a clear case there that the justice should have recused from that case. Now, a lot's changed since then, though. One, the majority in that case, a 5 majority of the U.S. Supreme Court, has changed. Majority is basically all gone. The minor- only people left were in the minority. Three conservatives who argued there should not be a standard set by the court on when a justice should recuse, a judge should recuse. So there's that question, right? Two, you know, even though the uh, Democrat Party gave pro savers $10 million, you know, I tracked at least 55, 56 million spent in that race overall. So it's a much different, in that perspective, situation. Still, for Republicans, they're looking for any avenue they can explore to try to stop this because, again, they feel like the court is stacked against them. They're looking for options to try and avoid having a new map drawn compared to the one they have right now, which they like. And when you say it's a much different situation, you mean because GOP-backed candidates were also funded by campaign donors and things like that? Well, just the, the, the scale. So that one donor in West Virginia made up the majority of the money spent in that, in that race with that $3 million. $10 million is way more than $3 million, right? But that $10 million in perspective of the entire spending in the campaign, it wasn't the dominant number. That's what I'm talking about, that there's a, a much different uh, situation with those two campaigns uh, those situations. I see what you're saying. And also big picture, we've talked about this on Capital Notes before, but you've said that redistricted maps, if the ones that are more favorable to Democrats get in place, they would more likely make a difference in the state Senate rather than the assembly. Can you fill people back in on that? So I'm not an expert map drawer. I'm just a journalist, but I'm a dork about redistricting. And I've you know talked to enough experts that I know that if you want to draw a map that produced a 50-50 chance for either party to control the Senate, you could do it. Um, I could go district by district with you and show like where I'd push some lines here or there to make it happen. The Assembly's a different story. Republicans have a built-in advantage because of where voters live. The Democratic Party's brand has cratered in rural Wisconsin. There are not any more really rural Democrats left in either house. There are a couple who have rural districts, but you know a lot of places that used to be blue, they're now deep red. So it's harder to draw a 50-50 map in the assembly because you just don't have voter living places where you need. Now, you could draw one if you gerrymander the heck out of the state. Like if you took Madison and made districts coming out of there like bike spokes, right? Like a, a pie almost. And try to take Madison and stretch it into Republican areas or instead of Milwaukee. But it would be very difficult to do just because, again, where people live and how they vote. The Senate's a different story. So you could get that 50-50 map, but... Even if you are a diehard Democrat who's placing all your hopes and dreams of a, a blue capital after this case, it's probably not going to happen. You're going to have a difficult time winning the assembly, barring, you know, a wave year. Now, at the same time, uh, there is no chance for Democrats to win the assembly. None. I mean, even if you win by 10, 12, you, there's just not a chance there to, to win the state assembly. Um, the Senate, very, 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 very difficult. So there would be a, a much different dynamic. And two... You might see different personalities in the Capitol. Um, there's a huge question out there. If there's a new map about whether Assembly Speaker Robin Voss would be drawn into a new district with another Republican. You know, they're actually insiders I talked to are almost betting that Democrats would do that, trying to make Voss's life difficult. For example, he's not far from Tyler August, the majority leader in the Assembly. Tyler is kind of like the speaker-in-waiting. There's an expectation that Robin Voss, when he leaves or retires, that Tyler would take over. 
if in the same district, what would Robin Voss do, right? There's things like that that are really interesting to watch with those maps, however they come out from the court. Interesting. Okay. You're tuned into Capital Notes. I'm Mayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WizPolitics.com. So next, we'll turn to the much-maneuvered deal to help the Milwaukee Brewers repair their stadium over the next three decades. A bipartisan group of lawmakers approved a plan to spend nearly half a billion dollars in public funding to do this. Why is this important, and what do people need to know? Well, it, it, it keeps the Brewers in Wisconsin through at least 2050, and they're doing it with public money. Uh, also, you should note that when that stadium deal expires in 27 years, 26 years, they'll probably be back for more and probably for a new stadium. So let's first look at the Brewers have a, had a contract with the state, actually the stadium district, um, to maintain what was originally Miller Park, the American Family Field, for years. And that contract requires the state to do certain things for upkeep. Um, now, people can argue if it's a good deal or bad deal, but that's the way it was drawn up some years ago. The district board does have the money to cover the, 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 the maintenance. There's a real possibility if the state had done something that the brewers could sue and say, hey, you, you have to do this, or B, they would look to leave. And the challenge for the state is that the state owns about two-thirds of that stadium. So if the brewers left, there would be an empty building uh, that we would own as taxpayers, essentially, with no team in it. That's not a great thing to look at. So that was the big impetus for this. Uh, this plan has changed a lot from what it looked like this spring. The governor first in February actually proposed taking $290 million of state mo- money and putting it into a fund, investing it, and having it cover those costs over through 2040, uh, three, 2043. Now you're looking at the state putting in money, Milwaukee County and the city putting in money, and then the brewers putting in money. There's also going to be a ticket surcharge on non-brewers events. It all comes together to help cover maintenance costs going forward. Um, some big things to watch with this are, one, you know, what's it look like in 26 years, 27 years? If you look around Major League Baseball, there were a half dozen teams that played in stadiums 50 years or that were 50 years old or older. Um, you know, one of them is like Wrigley Field down in Chicago. One's Fenway Park out in Boston. They have a lot of history. American Family Field, while a nice place to see a baseball game, doesn't have that kind of history. So once this deal is up, the expectation is, that you would see the brewers probably come back and say, hey, we need a new stadium. Then what do you do? And as much as people didn't like the idea of giving state, you know, state and local money to a privately owned professional sports team, it's kind of like the cost of doing business. If you're going to have a professional sports team in your state, you kind of end up having taxpayers pick up part of the tab. It's a reality around the leagues. I'm not saying it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's just kind of the way it works. So nobody, I don't know if anybody really enjoyed the idea of doing this deal, but they also didn't want to see the Brewers go away. And so you saw in the Senate uh, with the vote, a bipartisan vote between the Republicans and Democrats that people weren't necessarily thrilled with the idea, but they also wanted to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to just put my foot down and say absolutely not, and then watch the Brewers leave. Can you give like a short, simple snapshot of the representation on the board? I guess one of the concerns was that Milwaukee County and the city didn't have any representation on this district board that um, that oversees the stadium despite being required to pitch in for the cost. Yeah, they, they made a change in the end to try and uh, address that issue. So there are two real big changes in the final version of the bill. One was taking the ticket surcharge and making it, uh, increasing it over the 27-year period, uh, twice. So put in place, add to it twice more after that. And then two, 
change the makeup of the district board. So before, it was going to be a nine-member board, um, four from the governor, four from the majority party legislature, and one from the team with the team spending team names the governor for it to pick one person from that list. They added a couple more appointments, both for Evers and for lawmakers. With the governor's picks, they will come from Milwaukee County and the city, so that gets that representation there. Lawmakers got two more, the majority party. That makes it a 13-member board, but it keeps it split 6-6 six, six between gubernatorial picks and legislative picks. Now, the current political composition in the Capitol, right, is a Democratic governor and Republican lawmakers. That may not be that way forever, right? So at some point, you may have a Republican governor and a Republican legislature, and they have then 12 picks on that body. Well, two of them come from Milwaukee County and the city. Uh, you may have a Democratic Senate or Senate Assembly. So that will change over time, possibly, but they did that to address the concern of Democrats of, hey, there's somebody from Milwaukee County, the city, and that helped get Democratic votes on board between lowering the, st- the cost of the state and getting the representation to help make the deal work. As always, thanks for this context, JR, and thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was JR Ross, editor of WizPolitics.com, speaking with me, WEWM's Mayan Silver. Listen for our segments every other Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect, and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts.